Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Hello and welcome to Brainwaves on 3CR, 8.55am, 3CR Digital and 3cr.org.au if you're listening online. My name is Lauren and to this week we are celebrating Movember. The Movember Foundation is a global charity advocating and raising money for men's health. It focuses mainly on three key areas, testicular cancer, prostate cancer and suicide prevention and mental health. Since 2003, the foundation has raised over $700 million for men's health, investing this money in research for diagnosis and treatments, as well as engagement programs at a community level. Each November, men all around the world are challenged to grow a moustache in order to speak up and take action about their health. Women are urged to be an ally for men's health and get active for 30 days during November. Generating conversation is so much of the struggle behind men's health, especially in relation to men's mental health. So we're very pleased to welcome Rhett Corker from the Movember Foundation to the show today. Rhett is the Men's Health Program Manager at Movember. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much for having me. All right, so... Movember is a global phenomenon, but many listeners might not realise that the movement actually began in Australia. So how did the connection between men's mental health and facial hair, facial hair first begin? Yeah, it's a great question. And it originally started in Melbourne, literally, you know, just down the road from where we are right now. And it was two mates having a joke about 70s fashion icons and which ones hadn't come uh, come into fashion yet uh, or come back around into fashion. So this was back in 2003. And it so they they thought they'd just grow a moustache and to see what happened during the month and um, and do it really for a, a bit of a joke with a bunch of mates. So thirty guys did it the first year. Um, I think they raised something like maybe fourteen hundred dollars, or most people wanted just to um, donate money for them to get rid of the moustache rather than keep growing it. Um, but as you said, it's it's since turned into this global movement. So it's spread across to 21 countries. Over 5 million MoBros and Mo Sisters have raised, um, yeah, over $770 million for men's health. And it's the only charity tackling men's health on a global scale and year round and trying to stop men from dying too young, which is pretty good for a joke between two mates at a pub uh, originally. Um the way that it actually it originally started focusing really on uh, prostate cancer back in 2003. And then in 2006, a few of the guys said, um, well, they'd, they'd lost mates to suicide. And so they really wanted to, to shift and, and focus on mental health issues as well. Um, and we, we partnered with Beyond Blue originally and, and really focused on um, some key projects amongst men in the GBTI community, Indigenous men, and um, and also working with their... their um, the Beyond Blue support service, so the phone line. So that was in 2006. We've worked with them ever since, and since um, since then, have also expanded to other countries, um, working on mental health projects globally, um, and then implementing the findings uh, locally. Mm. So, could you tell us a little bit about the scope of Movember's work? Yeah. So, as we talked about, it's you know prostate cancer, testicular cancer, and also uh, men's mental health and suicide prevention, and so. Really looking specifically at the, the mental health um, projects that we, we work on and that we fund, we're really focused on prevention and early intervention of mental health issues for men. 
So this includes depression, anxiety, stress, um, the whole raft of, of mental health issues. So really focused on that, that sort of early intervention um, type areas. We also look at suicide prevention and, and really trying to reduce the number of men taking their own lives. And the ways that we, we do this is having a real focus on empowering men to talk about the significant moments in their life. So that can be positive things or, or negative, you know, using the terms positive and negative. It could be, you know, uh, becoming a new father. It could be something like losing a job or losing, losing a family member. Um, these are really significant moments in, in blokes' lives and, and often um, there's the sense that we can't really talk about them. But I think that, you know, this idea that men don't talk is, is a real myth. Um, blokes do talk. It's about giving them the right environment, asking the right questions, listening properly and also respecting just how, how difficult it can be for, um, for men to open up and, and talk about these difficult things in their life. So that's, you know, empowering men is, is one of the focuses within our mental health um, work. It's also um, looking at ensuring men are staying socially connected. So a big part of staying connected is, is that it can be a protective factor for, um, for men developing mental health issues. There's good research around showing that um, during men's middle years, they lose both the quality and the quantity of their friendships, um, which is right around the ages that the rates of suicide increase as well. So really ensuring that men are staying socially connected. Um, and overlaying all of this is really this, this concept of masculinity. So something we're really trying to, trying to change is, you know, this concept that blokes need to be bulletproof, silent and never show any emotion. Um, and that's something we're looking to change, not just within... Um, with the men that we're working with and, and their own sort of personal concepts of masculinity, but also changing within society, um, changing that, those ideas because it, it can be a, um, yeah, it can lead to negative outcomes for, for men. Can you um, tell us a little bit more about how you got involved with the organisation? Yeah, definitely. So I grew up in, grew up in Perth, um, worked in, worked on farms and worked on factories, you know, largely blue collar work um, when I was younger and I feel like that was where I, I learned the idea of how to be a man. It was, you know, sort of um, toughing, toughing the F up. It was, you know, have a cup of concrete was some of the, you know, some of the phrases that were thrown around back then. So I grew up back there and, and kind of learnt these ideas and then really wanted to shift away from from that and so quit and started working as a nurse I kind of went to the the other end of the scale and I think the world I grew up in it was it was like if you showed any form of weakness being um, like the worst things you could be called at my school were soft or girly like any any sort of showing of emotion um, was something that was was really against this idea of kind of being being a masculine man and so I think I was kind of conditioned to think of these traits as negative. And so when, you know, once I started nursing, I was, I was seeing blokes come into hospitals and I was working on a, on a mine site at one point, seeing guys come in with, with health issues and they were showing up really late because they were trying to tough, tough these sort of issues out. And it meant that they were having really bad health outcomes and, um, and essentially dying too young. And so I, I became really passionate about the sort of, you know, trying to prevent these sorts of issues and really change these 
ideas of what it is to be a man. Um, but at the same time, I realized I was actually experiencing a mental health issue. So I, I realized I actually felt emotional and I, I felt like I um, couldn't control what was happening in my life and became really anxious, really depressed and, and got to a point of actually being, being suicidal. And I was working in a hospital, you know, I had a good education of the signs and symptoms of mental health issues. I was surrounded by doctors, but I still couldn't talk about it um, within the healthcare system. I couldn't talk to a doctor, I couldn't talk to um, to anyone about it. And so whilst I, I sort of got to this point of being suicidal, I still had this this notion that I'd learned when I was younger, which was, you know, trying to tough it out and, and not talk about it and, and really hide it. And so I learned that unfortunately my story is, is, isn't uncommon of being suicidal and I, I really wish that blokes didn't get to this sort of crisis point like I did. So I eventually started talking about it um, with my friends and, and talked about it, um, initially talked about it anonymously by calling up, uh, calling up a helpline and then talking about it with friends, talking about it with counsellors and, and sort of worked my way through it. But the thing that I really realised was just this this notion of this kind of hyper-masculine, you know, being silent, being bulletproof, don't ever show any emotion, that it, it was really damaging for for me and it was really damaging for the people that I was working with as well. Mm. So following on from that, how might the presentation of men's mental health differ from that of a woman? Yeah, it's a good, it's a good question. I think it's it's interesting to look at the, the rates of suicide um within australia and all around the world actually men make up 75 percent um of all suicides and i think that there's also there's this kind of imbalance that that exists and you know if you're looking at trying to make decisions about where we should be focusing um our efforts on on mental health issues looking at sort of men and women um if you're looking at the, the rates of suicide attempts, women make up uh, a lot higher percentage um, of the actual attempts at suicide, whereas men make up yeah, roughly three quarters of all, of all suicides. So I think what, and obviously it's not a competition, it's not, a, it's not something we're, we're trying to compete on, but it's, I think the important thing that we're trying to get across is that there really is a gender difference. And so the thing, the way that we approach mental health for men is, approaching it with this kind of gendered lens and, and thinking about the impacts of this hyper-masculine norm that, that seems to uh, pervade society. And, and we, we know from research that men that subscribe to these traditional notions of masculinity are at risk for mental health issues and are at higher risk of, of also taking their own life. So really, it's I think for us, it's about um, thinking through how we're socialising boys and, and how we're you know, working with men around mental health um, because this, this sort of hyper-masculine, um, you know, be, always be tough, always try to exert power, it's, it's damaging not only to the men that are, that are sort of living through this, this sort of concept but also the people around them, um, their families, you know, their kids um, and society at large. So that's something we're really focused on trying to change. Yeah. So... One of the most striking statistics um, relating to men's mental health, and it's something you <clears throat> just alluded to, is the suicide rate. And the suicide rate is approximately three times higher for Australian men than it is for Australian women. 
Why do you think that might be the case? It's a it's a really good question. It's it's also a challenging one because I think it's it's difficult to to really put it down to one mm-hmm. one specific reason or even even one or two specific reasons. Um, and there's there's often arguments around the the means of suicide, how how people are taking their life, and um, and that men often take more more violent use more violent means to take their own life um, as as a People often use that as an argument for why suicide rates are, um, are that men make up seventy five percent of all suicides, and I think it's a, it's a, it's almost a dangerous path to go down. That there there is some evidence around it, but there's also the question of well, what does that actually mean? Like, does that mean that that we approach it differently? Um, and I think that for for us, it's it really is about focusing on um, on that gender difference on that that sort of changing these concepts of masculinity so that men do feel like they can talk about the things that they're trying to deal with. Um, there, there is that, that difference between, like we talked about, the, you know, the rate of suicide and the rate of suicide attempts. Um, and so these, there is this you know, contrast between the two. Um, and so what, what we're really, really trying to put forward is that there is this, this difference in the genders around mental health and suicide, and that we would like to change that and really try and focus on, on, um, on changing these sort of masculine norms. Rick, going back to this idea of masculinity, we spoke about it a little bit before, but I just wanted to delve into it a little bit more. So, you know, we discussed that masculinity consists of, um, I guess, this toughness, and you know, that toughness involves not showing emotion and not showing emotion is something that, you know, is associated with a strong man. And if someone does show emotion, then they're considered to be weak. So I just wanted to ask you, what do you think is, I guess, a good way to conceptualise masculinity? Yeah, it's a really good question. I think we we often think of, mas- like in general, society often thinks of masculinity and femininity as these sort of two polar opposites. And Ultimately, none of us, uh, well, I won't say none, but like we all sort of sit on the spectrum that sits between these kind of polar ends. I think rather than masculinity being just about toughness or because um, even using using toughness, like I, you know, my sister's probably the toughest person I know, you know, and, and there's there's lots of women that I know that are that are tough, that are resilient, that are you know, all, all these sort of positive um, character traits that aren't specifically a masculine trait or a feminine trait. I think there's, I think we sit on this spectrum, we, we have traits which sit, you know, in the feminine, the masculine. People talk about it being maleness and femaleness versus masculine and feminine. And there's, there's lots of different ways that you can kind of, kind of cut it and lots of different ways you can talk about it. But I think Ultimately, we we do sort of sit on this this spectrum, and and we've all got different character traits that that can be phrased in different ways and and put into these different sort of masculine and feminine areas, I guess. Um, but I think that what what the damaging thing is is that this hyper masculinity and this this notion that you can only be one particular way, and I think that is. Something that that we're socialised as, particularly as young boys, we're socialised that it has to be this way. You know, kids when they're growing up, 
um, young girls, young boys cry just as much, you know, as each other when they're really young. But, you know, once you kind of get to the teenage years, you really see boys kind of dial that back. And I think, you know, you don't, you don't want to be teased. You don't want to be called girly, weak or soft, you know, and, and they sort of, um, unfortunately, you know, seen as as sort of um, these emotional sides of, of young boys are seen as negative. Um, and I think that that is, that, is, that is really where one of the key issues is, is, is having this very specific notion of masculinity, of hyper-masculinity, and that this really is the only way to, to be, because none of us are. We, we sit on a spectrum. We don't sit at this one end of, um, of masculinity. We, we are all throughout it. Um, and so I think... You know, there was, there was a good example, one of the, the um, projects that Movember funded was recently on television, the, the Man Up documentary, which looked at um, looked at this concept of masculinity of, you know, in ways kind of toxic hyper-masculinity and, and how it's causing blokes to take their lives. Um, and one of the things that came off the back of that was this idea that, you know, men should be able to cry openly. And I think it's, I, I think it's really challenging thing to think about um when we think about someone when we think about a man crying because i i watched it and felt mildly uncomfortable and i've had to check my ex, my own expectations about well what if you know the the sort of most masculine of masculine blokes in my life came up to me and, and started crying in front of me and and that and that happened you know a couple of weeks ago i had a really really good friend of mine who broke down and and started to cry and it was this incredibly powerful experience and I went to pat him on the back because I felt like that was the right thing to do. And then I realized that maybe maybe patting on the back is, is a way of sort of, it's almost this expression of kind of toughen up, you'll be right. And I sort of stopped myself and put my hand on his back and then I gave him a hug and he, and he cried even more. And we spoke about it the next day and, and we've, we've stayed in touch a lot over over the last couple of weeks and and he said you know that was one of the most powerful things that that he, could have happened to him because he did feel uncomfortable crying in front of me he didn't he thought he was you know weird or unusual and the fact that i i was able to hug him mm. um and i didn't pat him on the back and and be like oh you know toughen up mate you'll be you'll, she'll be right sort of thing um that really had a had a big impact for him and i, I so i think that's one really key part of um this sort of masculinity stuff is also checking checking our own expectations of of the men in our lives and and whether they can be emotive and and they can actually um yeah really express their feelings around us Mm. thank you for that story that's such an amazing um display of like your own masculinity as well Mm. um so at movember you're trialing a new program called new access to encourage men to seek help how does the program work yeah, it's a it's a really exciting program. Um, we've worked closely with Beyond Blue and the the communities where um, where these projects have been piloted, um, and so it uses a, a cognitive behavioural therapy model. And without getting into th- too much of the technical stuff, essentially it's a early intervention program for people with mild to moderate depression, and so it's supporting people who aren't currently using existing mental health services. So it's people in the community, it's people in workplaces. And by early intervention, we're talking about people who might just be dealing with, I shouldn't say just, might be dealing with uh, work stress or might be dealing with housing issues or relationship problems. And so 
the new access coaches work directly with um, with these individuals and really tailor a program to um, to help them through uh, progress through the, the difficulties that they're dealing with. And the new access coaches aren't mental health professionals. So uh, as one example, there's a guy in South Australia who he used to be a personal trainer and he now works with um, works with people in workplaces. And he's trained and supervised by mental health professionals, but he is very much someone from within the community. He he works with a local community. He is a, a friend of you know. He works with his friends, um, and so it's this really it's developing a new workforce, um, a new workforce of these coaches. And so it's really exciting to see how that's that's progressed, and um, exciting to see that the the national government has um has shown some support for it and there's a hope that um it can you know be scaled up and and go into a lot more locations across australia Mm. would you say that those coaches play a similar role to a peer mentor is it similar to a peer mentor workforce or yeah very similar um it's it's working in uh specifically within sort of primary healthcare networks and so working um Working in a, sim- a very similar way to peer peer support, um, but working again being sort of supervised by uh, and also trained in cognitive behavioural therapy and and also working with and being supervised by mental health professionals from Flinders University from memory. Hmm. Um, so, what's your advice for any men listening who are struggling with their mental health? Yeah, I think it's you know from what we've talked about today, there's. There's really a lot of a lot of things that guys can do for themselves, and also I think what what we can do for the guys in our lives. And so, the message I would say, the things that worked for me, um, and and that we've found work within research, is really talking talking with a mate. Um, so a mate could be a friend, or it could be an anonymous phone line or online. Um, Beyond Blue support service is a great one. Lifeline, Men's Line. There's there's lots of services out there. Um, but ultimately starting that conversation and that that's another key part of it is really finding a way to start that conversation so whilst it might be initially uncomfortable um, having a conversation really does have a have a, has a significant impact um, staying connected so staying connected and staying healthy with with your mates um, social isolation you know can can ha- have really negative impacts um, on our mental health so really trying to stay connected Staying active, so finding a, an activity that suits your level of comfort. So that could be anything. It could be getting up and going for a walk or it could be you know, being at home and squeezing a stress ball. Finding something that, that keeps you active um, and find something to do shoulder to shoulder. We often talk about a difference you know, that, that women tend to be good at face-to-face conversations, whereas men tend to be better at shoulder to shoulder conversations. So that could be a barbecue, it could be going to a men's shed, it could be going for a walk with a mate, um, but really finding finding the time to do that. Yeah, and just quickly, do you have a website or something you can plug for everyone that wants to get involved? Yeah, definitely. So go to movember.com. Um, you can either grow a moustache if you're not uh, hairy enough like I'm not. Um, you can also take part in Move and do something physically active for your own health as well. That's great. We'll make sure to put the links up on the website for everyone that wants to see that. Um, a huge thank you to Rhett for coming on the show today from the Movember Foundation and thank you to Christine for helping me interview. Um, you can catch more of our shows at our website, brainwaves.org.au 
or you can find podcasts of our show on the 3CR website, 3cr.org.au or on iTunes. Next week is Perinatal Anxiety and Depression Week and we will be talking to Nicole from the Centre for Perinatal Excellence, COPE. Should be a really interesting show, so be sure to listen in next Wednesday at 5 o'clock for a new episode of Brainwaves on 3CR. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.